A rising prop tech CEO star, what's your definition of a good or great agent today and moving forward? So it ultimately came down to having to focus on three key things. Why haven't agents been able to do this in the past? Well, you can only scale through people, really, and that, of course, comes with cost, that comes with friction. Give us the biggest parallels between what you've seen and experienced in medical and then now in real estate. Across multiple industries is really demand for three things, transparency, personalization, and curation of information. I've been waiting to bring this podcast to the BAM community for, for a long time now because I know the impact that you're going to make on this industry. I said it at BAM Pro Bowl. I said, buying into Sheila right now is like buying into Dan Corkle, CEO, founder of Follow Up Boss, when he first started that CRM, which has changed the landscape on CRMs in real estate follow-up boss. But what you're building, I believe, is going to change the landscape once again in real estate technology. I'm sitting with Sheila Reddy, CEO of Mosaic.io. And before we get into what you're building and, and how you're going to change real estate software, I want to ask... Who is Sheila and how you got in to this industry? So give us the background. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Byron. That is high praise and big shoes. So I will try my best to fill up <laughs> and live up them. to the expectations there. Um, I guess to tell you a little bit about myself, I'm originally from Southern California, got into real estate at actually a pretty young age uh, from the investor kind of consumer side of things. So came of age and finished school on the heels of the 08 financial crisis. The um, right timing, not the wrong timing like I had, <laughs> which was before everything blew up. So you got in when opportunity was there. I did, yes. So that's really what made real estate accessible to me at a fairly young age. So got in, started doing some rentals, flips, that sort of thing, and really stayed in it through that capacity just through you know the years. So professionally, though, as I was finishing school, I got into healthcare. So as I was doing real estate on the side, I was professionally just working in the hospital management space. So starting in kind of accounting and management and then working my way up over the years. So I was doing both of them in parallel. And then in late 2019, early 2020, left the healthcare space, had gone to a point where I had gone as far as I could go at the company that I was at, had to make a decision on where I wanted to take my career next. And real estate was always the thing that I saw myself doing long-term. It was what you know excited me in the morning and, and the thing that I most wanted to do. So took that opportunity to really kind of reassess where I wanted to be professionally and what I wanted things to look like for me long-term. And it just became obvious that real estate was where I was going to want to be. So started, you know, after leaving healthcare, kind of was planning to take a little bit of time off and figure out exactly what I wanted to do in the real estate space. Uh, but that timing wise ended up happening right around the time COVID had started. So it was pretty much just locked in my condo for several months, kind of forced to decide what I was going to work on next. And Mosaic was really born from that. It was a combination of a lot of the pain points I had experienced going through the real estate journey, wearing different consumer hats as well as the healthcare experience and what I was seeing just kind of unfold in the markets. And that's really all came together to, I guess, start Mosaic. I think the healthcare experience, which when you went into healthcare, you know, you've shared the story with me, mm -hmm. 20 different, you basically brought software into 20 different hospitals so that different departments could speak together. Yeah. And so real estate's very fragmented in the way that nothing speaks to each other. But just give us, and you have other analogies of, of mm -hmm. how healthcare 
and real estate, and this is an analogy I, I don't feel like has been presented to the industry. You, you have some analogies, some parallels between the two industries that, you know, there's been problems solved in one and not in the other that makes sense. So give us the biggest parallels between what you've seen and experienced in medical and then now in real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So what's interesting is when I started my career in healthcare, and this was about early 2013 or so, so we're looking at a little over 10 years ago. And around that time, there were a lot of changes just happening in the industry as a whole. So there was much like what's happening in real estate today, there was a lot of um, changes from a regulatory perspective, from insurance, like billing perspectives, all of these different variables where hospitals were ultimately having to do a lot more with less. Those reimbursement compression, rising costs, increasing demand on you know, patient outcomes, patient satisfaction, and so forth. So that's really the landscape that was unfolding as I got into healthcare. Less margin for these hospitals? Absolutely, yes. And so I was working primarily with community hospitals as well. And so already very tight margins when you're looking on a case-by-case -case basis and overall, and that was continuing to erode with everything that was happening from a reimbursement perspective, as well as just increasing demand and cost. A lot of people might be listening like, how the heck are hospitals, I mean, you know, if I go to the hospital, it costs a lot of money, but... Mm -hmm. Is that because insurance is taking most of that money or? So when you're looking at a hospital bill, if you go to the hospital and then you kind of see the sticker price, yeah. those charges that are reflected on that bill are very rarely what the hospital is actually getting paid. What is usually happening is that there are contracted rates that they have with insurance companies. So let's say the bill is $10,000. Depending on what the service is, maybe they're getting $1,000 or $2,000, depending on the contract itself. And that can vary from insurance company to insurance company. From a it, By the way, agents can relate with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the services. And then it's, you know, well, the agent might be getting a split off of that and broker and marketing fee, and there's a lot of line items in that. Exactly. It's it's a very similar construct in healthcare. Um, from a Medicare and, and Medicaid reimbursement perspective, you're basically subject to, you know, what for Medicare, kind of the federal government and CMS and whatnot are setting as your reimbursement rates. And then at the state level, which can vary greatly from state to state, what the state is setting. So typically the, the charges that you see on a physician bill or a hospital bill does not actually reflect what they're getting paid. And so that payment was, you know, kind of going down progressively over time um, through number of circumstances. And then costs were still increasing, as well as you saw a shift in the industry where um, patient satisfaction started becoming a factor in reimbursement, which historically it had not been. So on top of that, you have these increasing demands and increasing outcomes um, that you need to improve and all of these different things going on where the fundamental theme was you had to do more with less. And so, you know, as part of that, which I think is a very similar struggle to what agents and, and folks in the real estate industry are experiencing today, on top of that, there's this whole, you know, host of similarities in terms of what the construct was in real, in, uh, I'm sorry, what the construct was in healthcare at the time. Mm -hmm. So technology-wise, for example, a lot of the hospitals we worked with they had a number of systems, many of which did not natively talk to each other. So you were working with manual processes to get these systems to talk to each other or very kind of, you know, haphazard integrations and so forth. So like your billing system might not talk to your medical record system. Um, that might not talk to your scheduling system. So a lot of just manual processes to get everything to flow. So what started to happen 
about 10, 15 years ago, as you started to see the majority of hospitals transition to more integrated technology. So big electronic medical record systems like Epic and Cerner, which were bringing together all of these disparate pieces to streamline operations and so forth within hospitals, and then also introducing trans more transparency for the patient as well. So things like MyChart, if anyone has one of those accounts, yeah. that's coming typically from Epic. Um, so as part of my journey in healthcare, I was part of that, you know, evolving landscape and, and figuring out how to navigate that, but also was kind of front seat and, and involved in a lot of the um, implementations of integrated technology and kind of moving things in that direction. So a lot of that background has really played into not only how we've designed Mosaic, but how we're implementing it as well for the agents I, we work with. I mean, a lot of agents can relate to the analogy you just gave where it's like, oh my gosh, nothing speaks to each other. I have... 15 different logins that I'm trying mm -hmm. to remember. And I have all these different, you know, tabs on my computer screen of trying to figure out, you know, where I need to go to next. And to your point, not a lot of it speaks together. Real estate, not only from the prop tech world, but also just in the way the whole industry is laid out, you know, MLSs are fragmented. You might have multiple mm -hmm. MLSs in one state you know, let alone, you know, the four to 600, you may know the exact number. How many MLSs are in the country right now? It was, oh, it was gosh. 900. Now it was down to um, 600. It's somewhere in that probably five. I don't know the exact range. number. It's about five to 600. I believe. I don't know yeah. it off the top of my head. Cause that's what keeps me up at night. A lot of the time is trying to <laughs> clean all that data and standardize but, it within mosaic. So you probably look at that and you're like, why are there so many MLSs in, in the, right. Yeah. And so it's fragmented in so many different ways. Right. You're going to look at all the different brokers. You got independent, you got teams, you got all the different brokers. There's just so much fragmentation right. across real estate. And, and it's not just the data, but the process as well. So for like a new tech company to get access to that data and create, you know, better products and tools for agents, aside from just trying to standardize that data and understand it MLS to MLS, you're also dealing with completely different processes. Some MLSs will give you like kind of a universal vendor license. Others, they want you to go agent by agent. Some of them you can't even get access to until you have a customer first. So it's very much um, a chicken and egg scenario in those type of scenarios because you need the integration to get the customer. So there are a lot of process differences and fragmentation as well that I think create barriers for tech companies to come in and innovate on the existing infrastructure. Going back to the experience in the healthcare mm -hmm. world, and you talk about regulation coming in and changing it. And agents right. know there's a lot on, on the fourth, a lot of tape, a lot of the, a um, lot of stake right now. Mm -hmm. Table stakes are high. Do you see regulation changes that are being proposed in real estate dramatically changing the role of the agent in the future, somewhat changing, not changing at all. Where do you sit on everything that's going on? And I'm yeah. sure you're following it. I think everything that's going on in terms of what exact changes stick versus what are more rhetorical in nature these days, that I won't presume to know. Um, but I do think that with everything occurring, like there will be changes. And I think the fundamental theme associated with them is going to be agents have to do more with less, which I think is going to create a situation where agents who are efficient, who treat it like a business, who are providing significant consumer value, whatever the landscape unfolds as, they're going to be fine. But for those that maybe aren't quite there yet, I think it's probably start time to start thinking about how to get there if real estate is the industry they want to be in long term. So more transactions, more customer care, more communication between client, vendor, lender, 
attorney that the agent's involved with? More of everything? When you say more with less, is, is that what you mean? Yeah. So I would say the expectations are going to be increased and you're going to be doing that potentially with maybe less margin or less commission per deal or less resources available to you. Um, so if I can maybe take it back to healthcare for a second, as all of this was unfolding and evolving, you know, I think there were kind of two fundamental learnings that came of that. The first is that in the healthcare world, whatever pressure is happening from the insurance standpoint, the regulatory standpoint, fundamentally people need care when they're sick and they need, you know, preventative care and ongoing care when they're healthy. Yeah. And so that Provider, so when I say provider, referring to physicians and hospitals and um, essentially those type of entities, that provider-patient relationship was never going to go away. Um, so there wasn't really fear of that, uh, as you know, as crazy as maybe some of the armchair quarterbacks might have been making it seem as, as a lot of that stuff was happening and, and I think to a large degree continues to happen in that industry. But that relationship was never going to go away. That need was never going to go away. But the the landscape as it related to you know, how much you needed to deliver to each patient, the resources you had to deliver that, that did fundamentally change. And from what I still stay abreast of in the healthcare industry, continues to be an ongoing pressure on providers. So it ultimately came down to having to focus on three key things. And, and this is in no specific order, but those things were, you know, at the time in that industry, it's patient experience. I would say in real estate, it's client experience, operations, and margin. So with client experience or patient experience in healthcare, right? I think a lot of that is when I say more, you're, ha you're having to deliver a better experience with what you're doing. It's not enough in healthcare. It wasn't enough to just finish the surgery without complications. It wasn't enough to just prescribe the medication. Now you were having your reimbursement and satisfaction scores measured by how well you communicated to the patient, how clean the facilities were, all these different elements that were secondary, I would say, in thought process historically. So similarly for agents, I think it's going to be less about did the deal actually close, but how was the client experience through that process? How much value did you fundamentally deliver to the client? Do they feel like they got their money's worth, really? Um, so I think there's a lot of similarities there. And then operations, you know, really just making sure that everything that needs to get done is getting done when it should. It's getting done every time and it's getting done in the most efficient way possible because that's how you do more transactions. That's how you create a profitable business. Did, and, so sorry. regulation comes into healthcare, mm -hmm. makes it harder to your point. Exactly. Right. It's harder for these healthcare providers. I'm assuming, and based on my personal experience with two young daughters, my wife's experience of trying to find a doctor in South mm -hmm. Florida, it's like really right. hard. Um, a lot of times you can't even get into a family physician because they're just not accepting more patients. Right. And so I'm assuming things get harder. The, uh, the amount of professionals shrinks. As things mm -hmm. get harder, there are less doctors healthcare professionals. Is that an assumption or is that true? I don't know the exact stats on this, but I, I believe so because you saw a lot of hospitals either consolidate with bigger health systems. And then a lot of the times what you'll see happen is maybe if you have two hospitals that are nearby each other, you'll close certain service lines at one to direct patients to the other and consolidate and, and costs and such. And I know quite a few physicians have retired through that's, the transition. That's been happening. That's what's mm -hmm. happened in South Florida, right. which is you know the problem that we have in that local market. But but there is a, I think, a, a parallel of when things get harder in an industry, they they get more regulated, mm -hmm. they change. And this is, you know, something that agents are thinking about right now. 
well, there's less people that want to compete in that environment. Right. You know, in the healthcare, it's, hey, smart educated people, maybe I can do something else. You've seen some say, you know what, I'm going to go open a IV drip facility mm-hmm. or, you know, other things, other ways to start a business. And this is something that might happen in real estate where you just might have some folks that are like, you know what, as things change, I've been part-time, I may not be for me in the future. Right. W- with all of the experience you have in healthcare, I'd love to know this. Um Agents love to have doctors as clients, physicians as mm-hmm. clients. These are great clients right. for agents. You also, your family has a uh, background in healthcare. Right. So mm-hmm. you, your work experience, um, your experience with your family, what is the view of the real estate agent from the healthcare professional standpoint? You know, there's always this analogy that agents make where it's like, hey, you know, why would you hire a part-time agent, would you go and get surgery from a part-time doctor? If we flip that around, how do doctors and healthcare physicians view the professional, uh, the profession of a real estate agent? You know, I don't know that I can speak for physicians as a whole, but maybe I'll answer that question by giving you an actual example that happened recently. So um, I have a family member who's a physician who recently went through a real estate transaction and worked with a local agent uh, to sell the property. Your introduction or no? Not my introduction, okay. no. So um, worked with a referral through introduction that they had found through someone else, just basically. Okay. Yeah, had local, not worked with the person. A local introduction. Yep, that couple they, different they people yep. get, gets introduced to this agent. So agent comes in, takes photos, puts it on the MLS, does all of that. Eventually kind of buyer gets, puts in an offer, buyer gets secured, deal goes under contract. Through the process of negotiating to get under contract, as you know, counters are coming back, as they're expressing, the buyer's expressing what terms they'd like to see and that sort of thing, the way that was being communicated to the client in this case was just, buyer has asked for XYZ, let me know how you'd like to proceed. Through text or something. Just through text or email. Just let me know how you'd like to proceed. This is what they've asked for. Eventually goes under contract. And I'm seeing a lot of this because then it's getting forwarded to me of how do you think we should handle this? Um, So... (laughs) Goes under for, contract. Forever and for always, for your whole family, <laughs> you're going to be getting all these real estate questions now I, that you're in the some, industry. Some random ones come through. I, some of them, if I don't know how to answer, thankfully, I get to connect with agent. a lot of great agents day to day. As you know, we're, as they're under contract, you know, questions come up around buyer wants this credit on the inspection or this thing to happen. And it's just being communicated as this is what the buyer has asked for. Let me know how you'd like to proceed. There's no guidance on here's what I think or here's how the situation is typically handled. There's no preemptive discussion happening with the buyer. So for example, one of the requests was a repair um, that was something like this appliance might break in the next few years, but it wasn't broken then. So there was like no preemptive discussion of, hey, this isn't broken. Anything could break in a few years. That's not really grounds for a credit in this scenario. All of these things that you would kind of expect from someone who's negotiating on your behalf Really, it wasn't happening. And and then the feedback to me was, I feel like this person is just a messenger who's relaying things to me. And so, you know, I think... Messenger, door opener. These are Mm -hmm. words that are going to be eliminated, but go on. Yes. So that's, I think, one example that's representative of many I've heard in the past. But I've also, you know, had family members, past colleagues, friends who have worked with really phenomenal agents who 
got ahead of situations like that, who gave really great advice, who put together really unique deals. And so I think what ends up happening is the perception is ultimately dependent on whether they've worked with a good agent or not. I think that's really the differentiator. Are you working with a good agent? And I think that's where when we see these changes happening in the landscape, it's if you're doing the job well, just as the physicians who and providers who are doing the job well in healthcare ultimately, you know, stayed in business and continue to be in business and continue to find new ways to thrive. But the ones who, you know, couldn't keep up or who weren't doing a great job, a lot of those folks left the industry or you saw certain hospitals close down and things like that happen. And so I guess to bring it back to your question, I don't know if there's a universal perception that I can speak to, but I've definitely heard a fair bit of examples similar to that where there was maybe an opinion of, of value not being conveyed. And I've also heard yeah. several examples of raving fans of agents who, again, kind of went and, and into that level of depth that people are hoping to see from their advisor. Since April, we have uploaded new and sought after courses, content, and tactical assets for your business into the BAMX platform, not articles behind a paywall that only pontificate to you what you should think and do, but education that actually shows you how to do what you need in today's market. Every day, we continue to add more content into BAMX and our private Facebook community, content that works, content that our members have exclusive access to daily. It's why over 1,500 of you and climbing have joined us in BAMX. It's also why tomorrow's price is guaranteed to be higher than today's. That's called inflation. Do not wait any longer. Use code Byron and join the thousands of agents taking their business to the next level today. Code Byron for 10% off. See you in BAMX. And that's going to be probably the likelihood for, you can say, attorneys that have worked with agents, any profession. It's probably going to be similar. Okay, it depends on the agent you've worked with, right? So for a rising prop tech CEO star, what's your definition of a good or great agent today and moving forward? I would say a good or great agent is someone who's truly acting as an advisor or consultant to the client. Everyone's needs from a real estate perspective just vary so significantly. Even the general themes of as a seller, I want to get the best price or as a buyer, I want to get the best deal. Even that has nuance to it, right? I think real estate is a really unique profession in that every client, every deal is a true one of one. There's some variable, if not several, that are unique to that individual or unique to that property. There's no two pieces of land that are identical. Exactly. Even if you're in a tract home community, same model, one yep. is going to have have different wear or tear. So one the is going to have different finishes. Differently. Exactly. So, so you're the product that you're essentially supporting, right? Of, of real estate, land, properties, and so forth. That's all a one of one unique variable. And then the client you're working with is a one of one unique variable. So it really is, you know, a challenging prof profession that is both an art and a science, I think. And so in my mind, the best agents are going to be the ones who really factor that into how they do business. There are some things that can be automated, driven through process and scaled. And where that's done, it creates bandwidth to drive the personalization of the deals. But I think fundamentally understanding what the needs of the client are, what the variables in play are, and finding you know creative solutions to get them to the outcome that they're looking to achieve, whether that's buying their first home, whether that's selling their 10th, whether that's getting their first investment property, really driving that in a way where they're getting meaningful results and that's being factored into the process. I think that's fundamentally where we see the difference. It's, it's I think, moving from a transaction-oriented mindset to 
a kind of advisory, lifelong advisor type of mindset. Lifelong advisor, mm -hmm. lifelong. So you would say, don't use the word past client, right? Clients. I, I would say that I cringe every, I use the term as I'm talking to folks because that's how people refer to it. it's language I, in the industry. It is, but it's I cringe every time. I would argue that you should look at your clients as like a portfolio. When you, when you think about financial advisors, right, that are managing all these people's retirement accounts and things like that, they're, even if they're not talking to their clients day to day, it's a portfolio that they're managing across clients that they've been working with potentially for years and years, even if there's not a ton of activity happening day to day. Yeah. And maybe they're playing it safe with their investment and it's kind of not on exactly. autopilot, but there's not a lot, they're not yep. day trading. But it. that person knows who their financial advisor is and the financial advisor considers them an active client. And so even if someone's not transacting, they may very well be down the road, or they might know people who are transacting or people who will soon to be transacting. I think just statistically, almost everyone knows a real estate agent, at least by two degrees of separation, and if not one. So when you think about that, like just from a math perspective, if everyone knows a real estate agent or knows of a real estate agent, how is it that these like public portals and these lead gen companies are able to sell all these leads for you know hundreds of millions of dollars? That's That lead that's being sold probably knows a real estate agent, but they're just not actively thinking about them or don't, you know, that's, they don't feel comfortable going straight to them, whatever the reason may be. And I think a lot of that is because there's, for many agents, very transaction oriented mindset. And so I think the ones that you see thrive in the industry are the ones who are, you know, doing a really great job through the life cycle of actively working with a client and then staying top of mind in a really meaningful and value-driven way after. Because there's always something that people can learn about their home, whether it's how to maximize equity, save costs, that sort of thing. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think a lot of the way the landscape is evolving is going to kind of force that to be a more active part of each agent's business. What are some of these roles that the agent should be taking on? Obviously, what you just said, educating that homeowner mm -hmm. on the value of their home periodically as needed, the community, you know, information in terms of the market values and that. Are there other roles the agent should take on? Like, should this bleed into, you know, vendor relationships and contractors? Where do you, what other roles do you think the agent should have in this lifetime experience of having their portfolio of clients that they're serving? Yeah, absolutely. I would say home value is like scratching the surface. Yeah. I think there's so much more depth to the value that can be provided to clients as they're going through their homeowner journey. Um, if you just think about like repairs, there's almost always something that's like broken in a house, right? A doorknob falls off. The AC needs to be replaced. There's always these things going on. And a lot of the time, like clients are going to Google to find those vendors. A lot of the time they're going to other sources, whereas, you know, real estate agents who have great relationships with these vendors, who know who gives, you know, the best deals, who does the highest quality of work, who might be available to support. That's a huge opportunity, I think, to stay in front of clients in a really value-driven way, you know, in a way that's meaningful for them and, and alleviate some of that burden of homeownership. I think things like property taxes, you know, in counties and in areas where you can appeal your property taxes and potentially save some money, a lot of time folks don't even know that you can do that. So there's opportunities like that, I think, to uh, essentially provide like cost-saving opportunities or 
uh, things of that nature that can be really valuable to a homeowner where they're not only you know seeing you and, and keeping you top of mind, but now they see you as the expert. They see you as someone who helps them save money, who makes their lives easier. And therefore, that correlation is going to translate next time they're buying or selling or somebody they know is buying or selling. I think even coming down to home insurance, for example, here in Florida, and, and you probably know this well, Byron, home insurance rates are just going up at crazy levels year yeah, after year. Almost everybody's doubled in the last. Mm-hmm. 12 to 18 months. And if you kind of forget when your policy is renewing or maybe you you got the renewal letter and set it aside and said you'll look at it later and then all of a sudden, you know, your credit card or however you're paying gets charged for a much higher amount than you're expecting, yeah. you're scrambling to find well, another policy. If you have it wrapped into your mortgage, all of a sudden, boom, your mortgage just yep, went up. Your mortgage like just went up. Exactly. Bucks a month. You're like, what the heck just happened here? Yeah, absolutely. And at that point, you're kind of like, okay, got to find a new um, home insurance provider. I got to get some quotes. Yeah. I got to like connect them to my mortgage company. How do I do that? These are all things that are not as familiar to people who are outside of and the, the industry. And you, you would look at this as the role of your real estate advisor, mm-hmm. your agent saying, here's what's happening across you know the state right now. It may not have happened to you yet, but it's coming here are three quotes I'd look into to get ahead of this. Yeah, or just even just a reminder of, hey, your home insurance is renewing soon. Rates have been going up across the board. Here are a couple people you can talk to to get a better quote. Let me know if you need any help. Even something as simple as that is is delivering value to the client and then Should keeping- that be automated or should that be- So we at Mosaic are working <laughs> on ways and have implemented ways to automate that in a way that's still personalized, because I think that's the other big thing, right? Is you can that's personalized, and that the agent and consultant sees the automation going out mm-hmm. in an easy understand. Okay, that automation just went out to this subset of people, or you know, to this many people this week, this many people next week, and now those are people that should be in your client portfolio. I like how you say that client portfolio. I'm going to steal that. The Sheila, I'm going to steal the Sheila <laughs> client portfolio. Actually, one of our customers referred to it as that. I was like looking for a good term. So, okay, great. um, Yeah, it's it's spreading its way. Yeah. So, actually, um, Abel Gilbert at at One Path in Miami um, referred to it with that context. And I was like, this is the right term. I like that. Shout out to Abel. I like that term. So, the client portfolio, if I can see this week, oh, okay, this many of my clients are getting an insurance notification. Now, those are folks that I want to check in on. Absolutely. So, what we're doing, at Mosaic on the client retention side of things. And we touch a few other areas, transaction management, property search, and so forth. But everything we build at Mosaic is largely with personalization in mind, because I think that's a big factor in delivering the value in a way that really feels meaningful to the client and just doesn't end up in a spam folder or just delete it. And so when it comes to like that home insurance renewal reminder, for example, the direction we're trying to take it is instead of that just being maybe a generic drip campaign that goes out to everyone that say insurance rates are going up, get a new quote, timing is important, right? When is your home insurance policy renewing? Because that's going to have a lot more value to you than an email you get six months before it even happens. Then it's also um, from the agent side, kind of automating that and then tracking that in a way where the agent can jump in and be of support. So did that person open that email? Are they interacting with it? Did they end up requesting those quotes? Is there something you can do to support? It's also building those connections where when needed, the agent can carry that conversation forward in a meaningful way. And if not needed, there's still something of value that has been delivered to the client in a way that can be meaningful to them at a time that's meaningful to them with the agent top of mind. Why haven't agents 
been able to do this in the past? Is it only because the technology, like the technology you're building at Mosaic, hasn't existed? Has it been lack of organization? Has it been that it's just been such a, a gravy train of, you know, to your point, the transactions? Why yeah. haven't agents done, the, you know, and some do, mm -hmm. but why haven't this been, hasn't this been the norm across the industry of 1.6 NAR, 2 million plus agents? I think there's two reasons for that. I think the first reason is scale. Personalization has been very hard to do at scale for any industry without good technology to back it up. When you think about the different types of client retention campaigns that are going out for Mosaic, home insurance renewal reminders, property tax alerts, um, property alerts. So not just here's a general update about the market for your zip code, but this property down the street from you listed for X amount, do you want an updated analysis of your home value to see how it may impact? So that degree of personalization to do on a consistent basis, because each time frame that those are going out is unique to the client. So to do that consistently across a large number of clients, it almost becomes impossible at certain levels yeah. of scale manually to do. So I think scale has been one of the historical um, limitations that technology and, and recent advancements in technology is now helping us alleviate. I think the second Because the only way you could scale that in the past is by having like maybe two or three assistants that mm -hmm. are running whatever, Excel checklists or you some could type scale of through people. You can only scale through yeah. people really. And that of course comes with cost that comes with friction and that comes with a certain degree of risk because some folks may be really good and consistent with it and others may not be. And sure. so there's a lot of oversight required. Um, obviously people are an incredibly important part of the equation, but at certain levels of scale, you do introduce risk to your business. The more people that you're adding in for certain functions. And to your point, you're doing more with less. Exactly. The, the folks that you're employing, also need to do more with, it's not mm -hmm. just the agent, but your everyone team around you, everyone needs to do Absolutely. more with Absolutely. Okay. And I'd say the second limitation is integration. So taking it back to the healthcare example for a second, if you're in a hospital and that inpatient system, so inpatient being you're admitted into the hospital, let's say that doesn't talk to your historical medical record with your primary care physician or with past visits or something like that, right? If there's some limitation there, you're not going to necessarily, like the physician is not going to necessarily have all of the historical context about your health if you're not in a position to give it to them, if they can't see those past records and such easily, like your medication allergies, adverse reactions you've had in the past. So integration at the individual provider, hospital physician level at in healthcare was just a huge advancement. And then I know the industry as a whole has been moving towards interoperability between hospitals. So if you're on vacation somewhere and God forbid you get sick, that physician there can then see what has happened to you elsewhere, what your, you know, mm. again, allergies, history is, and so forth. I think that's still a work in progress, but that's directionally where the industry has been trying to go for some time in the healthcare world. So if we bring that back to real estate for a second, even within an individual agent's business, this fragmented technology and tech stack where your transaction management system is different from your, um, is separated from your MLS or wherever you're doing property searches. And that's separated from maybe your CRM or what have you. When all of these things don't talk to each other, that degree of personalization you can deliver is very limited. Because when you think about insurance renewals or um, property related updates, neighborhood updates to the client in that personalized way, 
things you want to know, right? Like their close date, what's happening in the MLS. You're pulling from different data sources to deliver of course, something yeah. of meaning to the client and deliver those correlations that are useful to them. And when those systems aren't talking to each other or they're not talking to each other in a native way, so it's just kind of like a, a basic integration that's been you know, strung together, it's very hard to, I think, make those um, meaningful, personalized communications. And let's face it, I think going, you know, you fast forward 10 years, the client's going to want more insight into the agent side of the business, mm -hmm. meaning, okay, you know, let's go back in history. There used to be this book, right? Couldn't see the listings unless you went to an agent. Then it's like, I need to see the listings. I need to have them at my finger, right? And that's where the opportunity for Zillow and mm -hmm. these real estate portals were born. It's like, now they've got access to the listings. Well, how about access to the transaction to be able to see it in real time yes. on their end, on the client's end, or to see really everything that that is going on with you know wherever they are in that stage on their end. In 10 years, as you have, you have some boomers maybe aging out, um, and you have Gen Z aging in to the market, it's only going to become more important that our customers, our clients are seeing more and more of the entire process. Absolutely. I think what we're going to see and what we're seeing in general across multiple industries is really demand for three things, transparency, personalization, and curation of information. So transparency, I think, has been in large part the name of the game for many of the big tech behemoths in the world. When you think about like Google, Zillow, yeah. all of these companies that have really just made an impact financially on how things are done. Information readily available. Exactly. It's democratizing the access to information, right, yeah. that you previously had to go to someone for. But I think in some ways that has also created an unintended effect of information overload for mm -hmm. people. Now, when you go and search for something on Google, there's all these different results you're kind of scanning through and trying to figure out what's legitimate, what's not, who's a trustworthy source. Sure. And so now I think with AI- Or a lot of people don't even know how to find it again. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, Absolutely. I found this, now I'm seeing this. And I do um, think there's an opportunity for agents still when it comes to transparency, because to go back to your earlier example, things do sometimes still happen in a black box of yeah. what the agent is working on, on the transaction and so forth. Yep. So there's still, I think, a gap to be filled on the agent side there. But I think generally now what we're going to do is see demand shift. Um, transparency will always be something people want, yep. but they're going to look more for curation and personalization. So not just give me all of the information, but what is the best information of all that's available? What is the most you know, accurate? What is the most reputable information sources? Like, Give me that information and then personalize it to me. How is that information relevant to what my specific need is right now? Yeah. It's kind of going from like- Don't waste my time with giving me 100%. Give me the 30% mm -hmm. I need. Give me something accurate and translate it into how it's going to matter to me what I need to do with this information. And I think that's where the next big frontier is in tech. I think that's where the next big opportunities are. So I think there's still some gaps to be closed on the transparency side for agents in terms of the experience they're offering to clients. But then I also think how to get ahead is to focus on that curation and that personalization. And some of that can be automated. Some of that can be done through technology. And some of it just requires the expertise of an agent. It requires that human touch. So where you can implement technology to scale and gain efficiency so that you can focus on those things that require your personal involvement analysis and um, knowledge, that's really where I think the, the magic is going to happen in a lot of people's businesses. 
And you're building an operating platform to kind of solve for this with Mosaic. For the, the technology side. We'll never be able to replace oh, the, the no, true no, no. human knowledge, but of course. support it. If uh, you believe that, you wouldn't be on the spot, right? Absolutely. <laughs> if you're listening to this interview or watching on YouTube, put in the comments if you'd like to learn more about Mosaic, because we're going to we're gonna go deep. We're not doing the deep product dive here, but we're going to do some webinar work with you um, on mm -hmm. explaining the product. Because if you're somebody who's got 10 different logins and you're like looking for one, then right off the bat, Mosaic should be top of mind for you. So drop in the comments if you'd like to get that webinar sent directly to you. Um, if you're a BAMX member, Sheila's going to be offering BAMX members something a little extra special in the future. So make sure you're a BAMX member now so you get access to that as well. Um, but just give us like high level, Mosaic's an operating platform. Um, when I look at it, I'm like, wow, agents are going to be able to reduce so many of these different accounts that they have all into one true operating platform. Um, to me, that that's a big hook, but uh, give us high level 30,000 foot view of Mosaic. Yeah. So Mosaic operating platform for agents, teams, and brokerages, we essentially kick in at the point in time that a lead becomes a client. So whatever you're doing to generate leads, whatever CRM you're using to nurture leads, that part of the business continues because there's some great tech to support that. I think there's been a lot of investment in that in the industry as a whole. But once that lead- So not replacing CRM. Not replacing a CRM. But everything else. Just about everything else. Um, so once that lead becomes a client and says they're ready to buy or they're ready to sell with you, that's really where Mosaic kicks in. And that's where I think historically there's a lot of different tools people are using through that process, still a lot of manual work that happens. So we essentially kick in to streamline that and create a better client experience, a strong flywheel for the agent. We integrate property search, transaction management, listing management, and client retention. So it creates this little loop of making sure that every deal gets closed, and then that turns into repeat and referral business long-term. And along the way, it's not just bringing the features together, but solving for pain points, both client and agent side through every flow. Client retention is, is going to, it's always been something agents want, referrals, retention, building a book, although you'd be surprised how many agents I talk to, it's like they've been in the business 35 years. I'm like, do you have a good book? Well, I never really tracked it. I never kept it right. And that was just like, it's just crazy to hear. They didn't even put it into like writing or Excel. Right. But anyways, client retention with where we're going, how much harder the business is going to become, how much regular, it's going to be everything. Absolutely. It's going to be the gold that agents survive on. I couldn't agree more. And I guess going back to one of the earlier things we talked about, you know, as mentioned in healthcare, it became all about patient experience, operations margin. And I think in real estate, it's going to become all about client experience, operations margin. That third item margin, right, of, of what are you actually taking home on yeah. each deal? And if you're completely dependent on purchasing leads or third-party sources to generate your leads, that margin is eroding very rapidly. Those mm -hmm. referral rates are going up significantly. So you're having to spend you know, more time on those deals to make less money, which is then detracting from your ability potentially to serve your clients in a more personalized way because it's this vicious cycle that never ends. Yeah. And so I think when, when agents are really working um, on retaining those clients long-term, on earning that repeat and referral business, what you're ultimately doing is delivering a better client experience because they're getting the value of an agent who is that lifelong advisor who is giving them a great experience from transaction to years afterward. But then you're also getting a source of business that is much higher margin. There's a higher baseline of trust, right? When you meet someone that's an online lead who doesn't know you, 
you're working much harder to increase that baseline of trust than you are with someone who you've worked with before or who was referred to you by someone they know and that they trust. So there's all these factors that come together where I think really ensuring you're delivering a fantastic experience as you're working with the client actively and then really positioning yourself as their advisor long-term, those two things are going to come together in a way that I think will help drive um, all the facets of an agent's business in a much more profitable way, in a much more efficient way, irrespective of what happens to the landscape overall within the industry. And that right there is why this interview had to happen because everything we're, we're looking at with BAM and who we're going to surround ourselves with and mm-hmm. surround this community with are folks that can help solve that problem because there are going to be agents that don't make it into the next chapter of how this industry looks. But when you're solving that problem that you just described and you're getting around the people that can help you solve that problem, you'll be one of those agents that certainly survives uh, and lifts your business to the next level. We're going to do more stuff with Mosaic, like I said, in the coming months throughout the year. Um, So definitely stay with us for that. Drop me a comment if you want to get that sent directly to you. Also, let me know what you think of what you heard here. And of course, of Sheila, I think very highly of you, but I'd love to get your comments on uh, this podcast. Sheila, thank you so much. Thank you, Byron. Thank you for having me. This is so insightful. I know you're going to uh, crush it in this industry. You already are. But um, in a couple of years, I mean, I'm able to get you on the pod because everybody's, everybody's <laughs> I, gonna be I'm always on. available to you, Byron. And, <laughs> and I appreciate everything that BAM's doing for the community as well. I think the knowledge that you're disseminating and making accessible is a huge part of being that lifelong advisor because just staying abreast and understanding the markets and all of these things is, is a big part of that. So excited to you know be a part of the BAM community, excited to be here on the podcast and look forward to working with you all more. Yeah. Sheila Reddy, you're going to be hearing the name a lot in the future. Thanks, Thank Sheila. you, Byron.